Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Maggie L. was recorded on May 12th, 2022. Thanks, guys. Um, super excited to be here. Really grateful to be here and uh, share my story. Um, so I'll just jump into it. How it started. I... Grew up in Tennessee. My parents, um, we lived in like a small town, uh, Tennessee. Um, and, you know, my parents actually aren't alcoholics or addicts, but they are dysfunctional. So here I am, um, you know. So how I grew up was, you know, my parents were really well off. So like I had everything I needed as far as like education and and stable household as far as like you know my parents were together we lived in a nice house in a small town um but like behind closed doors it was really hard I felt very like emotionally neglected um my parent like my parents could be very like shaming um, a lot of shame around, uh, like body shame, sexual shame. Um, my sister and I, when we're about seven years apart, um, her and I did not get along when we were kids. She was very tormenting of me, told me I was a mistake, um, that I wasn't, that I was, uh, not, you know, my dad's kid. Um, you know, nobody wanted me. And my parents really didn't do much to like stop this. Um, so there was a lot of um, trauma around that. Uh, let's see. I'm feeling really nervous for whatever reason, but that is okay. And I'm just going to check in on that. Um, let's see. My, my parents didn't physically abuse me, but my mom would have this like silent, seething like rage if I was ever out of line so I definitely like I was one of those like goody two-shoe kids like I was so fearful of them um that I had to be perfect I had to be good like I had to you know I I I it was compulsive and um you know let's see a lot of, um, there's a lot of like telling me my, you know, I was too emotional or, um, a lot of like fear of my reactions. Not that I like outwardly reacted, but like reactions of, of any, like sadness or any, any of those kinds of reactions. They were very like, don't like, don't do that. <laughs> like, don't like, don't cry. Like, don't, um, you know, don't get too upset. Like we can't, um, you know, like we need to do everything we can to, uh, keep like, um, 
you know, keep that. Don't, don't do that. I don't really know how to explain it, but, um, yeah, just, there was a lot of that. I, you know, when I was, and this has been a theme throughout my life, even after this happened, but like my dog was my best friend as a kid. He ended up getting hit by a car and, um, my parents, like they had sent me to my friends, the neighbor's house. And, um, my dad came and got me later and, and I was like, you know, where's the dog? Like, where's Snuffy? Like, is he, is he home? Like, is he, is he okay? And he was like, yeah, he's like waiting for you in the living room. And I was so excited. Um, and like, I got there and my mom was like crying and upset. And it was like, Hey, just kidding. Like, I mean, it wasn't, but like, to me, it was just like, actually, you know, he's dead. And, um, that, like, that was kind of this defining moment of like, why did they lie to me? Um, you know, what does this mean? And like, uh, you know, I can't trust them. Um, and, uh, that, that became a huge theme of them, like hiding deaths from me because they feared how sad I would be or how I would react. Um, but after that moment is kind of really when, uh, I started like the kind of depression started really kicking in. Um, and when I was around 11, I didn't feel like my parents loved me at all. Um, and I tried to commit suicide because I was like, if my parent, like, surely if my parents can't love me, who the fuck can? And I obviously didn't love myself either. Um, and, uh, I didn't tell my parents about it and obviously it was not successful because here I am. But, um, I remember when my parents did find out, I was talking to somebody on the phone about it, maybe six months after that happened. And, uh, my mom like walked by my door and like heard me talking and now, because I'm a parent, I can understand that she was scared, but it was like rageful. Like they were rageful at me for not for how could I do this? Like how, like what's wrong with me? Um, it went into like, that turned into like sending me to a bunch of therapists and like, I didn't want to talk to the therapists. And like, I remember one time my mom, like I, (laughs) she took me to one therapist and I didn't talk the whole session and she spent the whole car ride home berating me for like wasting their money. Like, why can't I like what's wrong with me? You know, it was very, very, if I, if I wasn't doing it their way, it was wrong. And that also has bled into my adulthood um, a lot, but um, you know, there, my parents were older when they had me, they were in their forties. And so there's this like underlying theme of like, we're older, we know better. You should always do what we say because we're older, wiser, better, no more than you. You're just, you know, you're just a child. You're just a young adult. Like you don't know what you're doing yet. And um, so there's like way more backstory, but anyways, going into adulthood, I just wanted to get the fuck away. Um, they were very strict and sheltering when I was a teenager. Um, and so when I went to college, I moved to Rhode Island and I was a dysfunctional mess. Like I, I just wanted to get away. And so I did what I could. And I I moved to Rhode Island and I 
got into drugs really heavily. Um, I had a lot of traumas that happened there. Like I was raped in the first week I was there and didn't, I told one person and the one person told me to like, they totally disvalued what had happened. And so I was like, uh, like, so then I was having these outside things of like, I shouldn't, you know, talk. I shouldn't feel like just shut it out. Um, so like, I never spoke up about that either. And that threw me into a whole nother thing. Like the drugs got worse. Um, the whole, like my parents hiding death stuff came back up, like maybe two months after that happened, uh, a childhood, like an adult friend of my parents that I wanted to like establish an adult relationship with as like a mentor. Um, I had gone to like message him on Facebook and, uh, there was a bunch of like, RIP will miss you's. And so I called my mom and was like, what happened? Like, I, I was hoping to meet up with this person when I came back home for Thanksgiving. And she was like, oh, well, he, he shot himself in the head, like very blunt about it. And I was like, what? Like, are you really like, and they were like, we weren't going to tell you because we wanted you to get through midterms. And I was just like, what the fuck? So then I'm dealing with this suicide of this family friend and I couldn't cope with that. And I, I just kind of spiraled out of control. I didn't, I, you know, I learned to not connect with my emotions. And so, um, from that point until I found ACA three years ago, I spent all of my twenties, just, just dysfunctional, like toxic relationships, abusive relationships. I didn't know my worth. Um, you know, I felt like I had to people, please. I put everybody in an authority figure position because, you know, I spent my childhood people telling me that they were right and I was wrong and I need to listen to everybody else. Um, and so lots of drugs, lots of drinking, lots of sex, lots of, you know, um, another underlying theme of my childhood was there was like a lot of sexual shame and like I, I got a lot you know, I started watching porn really young, um, in elementary school and like my mom shamed me for that of like, how, like, what are you doing? Like, how could you do like, but like, they weren't teaching me anything either. So it was just like, you know, it was, I got all these like horrible societal messages about how relationships are. My parents didn't really, my parents are very, my dad's told me he compartmentalizes everything. And so like when their parents, they were parents, they were not like their marriage was like separate from their parenting. They weren't affectionate towards each other very often. And I mean, they aren't now they're still together. Um, you know, it was like, we're, when we're wearing this hat, this is all we are. Um, so like figuring out the basis of like relationships and how healthy relationships function, like was not, I didn't know, I, you know, And, um, so I, you know, just, I thought that like, if I could get somebody to sleep with me, that meant I was loved. Or if I could stop thinking about my feelings and be drunk and fucked up, like I didn't have to handle like the reality of my life was a fucking train wreck, like fucking train wreck. Um, you know, and then, so 
got through college okay um and just functioning like just maintaining basic functionality like i could hold a job you know I, i'm a chef and so uh you know back of house service tends to fuel um that kind of lifestyle i'll say and uh you know so i just i couldn't deal with what happened to me in my childhood i couldn't accept like and i still deal with this now even with recovery just like my worth and like my lovability and things like that um but what how i i guess i'll like lead into like how i got into aca so i um i got pregnant by a one night stand and ended up falling into like uh i got into a relationship with a completely different person soon after that without knowing i was pregnant and then found out i was and him and i were like cool well i guess we'll figure this out both of us were really dysfunctional and not in good places in life and i was living in survivor mode um basically for my whole life and so i was just like what the fuck do i do um so me and the guy i was with got married he knew that i he wasn't the father um and we were just going to figure it out i guess and uh about 6 months into our marriage we got married after like 6 weeks of knowing each other so 6 months into our marriage he ended up going on this like rager blowing up at me at my sister's graduation and like i just you know i just took it like i've learned a lot from the abusive relationships i've been in um but i didn't know what to do like we he would rage at me and i felt unsafe but i didn't know how to speak about it and it just it was really really toxic um the point at which i decided to leave was when he he told me he would kill me and himself um and i was like right i'm i can't like there's no no there's no fucking way like i'd had my son at this point felix and um my mom like she ended up putting like my mom does this weird stuff is like cuz we don't talk like we we're not close at all and like but like she does these weird things like she would put like abuse pamphlets like in christmas card like in my christmas card um so i ended up leaving him moving back in with my parents which was fucking awful i i got a really bad cocaine addiction while i was living with them after my after i left um cuz i couldn't function cuz it was like being a teenager again like they were really still very strict um you know i was in their house so i had to like do their shit they were um you know what i did as a parent was wrong like my son was uh 7 months old when i moved back in with them I want to say 7 or 8 months old. And so, you know, they're like shaming my parenting. I feel like I can't function. Got a really bad coke addiction. And um then <laughs> I 
started dating this guy from my high school who was also living at home and still being in survival mode at this point, I, uh, we were like, cool. Like we both need to get out of our parents' house. Um, let's go, let's get an apartment and figure this out. And like, he was an alcoholic. That was a whole fucking mess. We were doing drugs and drinking and, and whatnot. And my parents were just like, uh, you know, I think we should keep your son while you figure your shit out. And at that point, I, I was okay with that because, like, you know, it wasn't, a, <laughs> I wasn't in a good spot. And so I moved in with the, this guy and I moved in together. And Felix ended up staying with my parents. And uh, fast forward like a year of, shitty abuse oh my god this guy was such a and um he uh he had this like delusional jealousy thing going on like I had kind of dipped my toes in recovery at that point I my parents had um they do a lot another thing they do a lot is of financial manipulation and so my grandma had left me some money like two thousand dollars I think and my dad was like, hey, I've got this money from grandma, but I'm only going to let you use it if you use it for outpatient rehab. And I was like, that's not fair. Like, that's not what she did not say. This money is only for Maggie to go to rehab. Um, But because my parents are always right and their decisions are the logical, like my dad does this thing where like he's soft-spoken and he has these like logical Like, this is the logical response, Maggie, for everybody, because he wants everybody to be safe. Um, And so, but it feels very, a lot of times, and especially before recovery, it just felt like, you know, you're not, I get that, but you're not hearing my piece of this or where I'm coming from or whatever. And so uh, I, I went to outpatient rehab. That didn't really stick. I really, really liked recovery. Um, like I wanted what they had, but I didn't think I was an alcoholic. I knew I had a problem drinking. I knew I had uh, problems with drugs. I knew I had problems with like casual sex and, and things like that. But like, I didn't when you know, I didn't, it didn't connect where I was like, this is really my problem, but I still wanted it. I really, really wanted what their, what the recovery people had. So I sat in AA for a little bit, um, kind of like in, in and out, um, but still not totally connecting. And so I was still with this, this guy and he had this delusional jealousy thing going on where he always thought I was like cheating. Like I'd go to meetings and he'd come back and he, I bet you were fucking somebody. I'm like, I'm not like, I'm literally just trying to like help myself. And, uh, so he'd do this like tit for tat thing. And at this point in the relationship, I didn't like spending time with him and my friends because either we would get into a fight or it would just become awkward. Like I was embarrassed to spend time with him and my friends together. And um, so he I I, I was doing something. I think I was going bowling or whatever. And he was like, well, I'm going to go do this and like ended up going on this Tinder date. We weren't open. Um, but whatever, I just, I did not care at that point, um, went on this Tinder date and this Tinder date that he went, 
tells him about ACA and he comes back and tells me about ACA. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. Um, Cause I didn't, I, you know, and I still have like problems with, with really connecting that my childhood was abusive. Um, but him and I went to an ACA meeting and we read the fucking laundry list and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like what? why is this on paper? Like this, this is me. Like, this is so me. Um, and I was just like, what, what is this? And I was like, this is exactly where I need to be. It, you know, I do have problems with all these things, but this is the key issue. And I think this is what I really need to work on. And so I stopped going to AA and I jumped full force into ACA. Um, and I spent about the first year just going to meetings. Um, I was really trying to like tease out this horrible relationship that I was in. Um, so I, I think I spent the first six months just like crying and like, cause I, I knew it. Like I, like once I started getting into the rooms and like noticing my behaviors and like having awareness to what was happening now, I was, I was just like, I was over it, but because of all of this conditioning over, you know, the first 28 years of my life, I couldn't totally let go. I would, you know, like there was a trauma bond thing going on. And so I spent the first six months just being like, I want to leave this guy, but I fucking can't. And I don't know why. And this is awful. And what do I do? And I wanted somebody else to save me. I wanted somebody else to swoop in and be like, this is exactly how you do it. But I had other fellow travelers just sit and listen and tell me that, like, I trust whatever decision you make. Because a lot of it was like, I'm leaving him. And then like, fuck, I'm like driving to his house right now. God damn it. What am I doing? Um, And I just, I had... uh, this fellow child just be like, I trust whatever decision you're making, like higher powers got you. And I was just like, Oh, like, damn it. Fine. Like, I guess, um, <laughs> like it's, it was so eye rolly to me. And, uh, so I was just like, okay, like I'm going to meetings. I'm talking about this stuff. Like now what? And at the very end of this toxic relationship, one thing that he said to me in like one of our fights, he was just like, how can you say you're like actually in recovery if you haven't finished the steps? And I was just like, who the fuck are you to say anything when you aren't even in recovery and haven't done the steps? Like, you know, whatever, man. So out of like spite, I was like, fine. I'll do the steps. I can do this. Um, so I joined a step study, which uh, started um, in person, like a few months before the pandemic started. And it was about six months long. We ended up switching over to uh, virtual. And in that step study, it was I loved going through the steps. We did the yellow workbook. Um, And, 
you know, I didn't have any kind of like burning bush spiritual awakening, but like I started to notice like the promises and, and starting to notice, you know, like the changes in myself, um, being able to take pause more, like really like after doing my fourth step, I was just like, Oh, like, okay. Like here's all this stuff. And like, now I can move forward a little bit. Um, so I did the yellow workbook study and then I jumped into the traits workbook right after that. Um, and then I decided to start a meeting. Uh, I started a women's meeting um, about a year and a half ago uh, because I actually ended up getting 13th stepped in that yellow book study. There was this like um, person that was uh, being inappropriate with like a bunch of the women in the group, myself included. And uh, we ended up coming together at the end. Like we didn't know it was happening to other people. And then we all like got together at the end and realized it. And, and I was just like, okay, like service is a really big part of um, my recovery and recovery in general. And I had done a lot of service for that yellow book group. And I was just like, I, I really have it on my heart to like start another meeting. So I started this women's group and that's kind of like, that's, that leads me to like, now I've been doing service and like, I guess, reflecting on like where I'm at in my recovery. Um, you know, I still have fear of authority figures, but it's a lot less, you know, I'm able, I have, you know, I'm in a like healthy relationship now with somebody who like respects me and loves me and listens to me. It's not abusive. It's not toxic. Like I didn't even know that was fucking possible. I remember when him and I first started dating, I was like, like, it was really uncomfortable to learn to let people treat me okay. Um, and, you know, it's, I'm able to like pause. Like, I remember like in early relationships, I, my dad's really like subtle shamey. Like he, like um, things that he says that are shaming, but like passed off as a joke. Um, I, once I got, once I started doing the steps, I realized that I did that a lot without even realizing it. Like just the whole concept of like, you don't know what you don't know until you like know it. And then it's just like, oh fuck, like how was I acting? What was I doing? Um, but you know, I don't know. I remember like when I first started dating and recovery after the toxic relationships, I was just I had this awareness that I was ready to actually stand up for what I wanted out of a relationship, what I needed out of a relationship. I wasn't really going to settle anymore. Um, ACA gave me the insight to see what was toxic um, just by like, you know, by showing up, hearing other people's stories, going through the workbooks, reflecting on my life. Um, it's just, it's given me so much like, I have this amazing relationship. I just like last year I was, I was actually in a really toxic job for five years too, um, with a boss that was a lot like, like my mom. Um, my mom's extremely passive aggressive. 
Um, she will give me the silent treatment. She's done it to me as an adult. Um, she doesn't know how to show her emotions at all. Um, and so I was in this really bad workplace and like, I, I recent, well, it's not recent anymore, but I switched jobs last summer and, um, I went, I, I left the restaurants. I was working at a school and I've come back and I'm back in a restaurant, but now I have this healthy bot. Like I have this amazing healthy boss who's supportive. Like I've, I've been able to cultivate this like support network, um, with like my fellow travelers, my partner, my workplace, um, you know, and like my family is supportive in their own way. Like they're very, you know, they help, they do help me a lot now. Um, but emotionally, like they're not my support network emotionally at all. Um, you know, I don't feel safe talking to my mom about much. My dad and I are getting better. My sister and I are getting better. Um, but I just like all like I ever, you know, everything that is going good in my life right now, like my, like with my son, like I, he ended up living with my parents for four years. Two of those were good. I spent the last two years really fighting for it. Um, you know, my parents ended up using a lot of like, well, when you do this or when you get to this space, like then it'll be a good time for you to have him back. Um, and that was, that was a really frustrating period of my recovery too. Um, but he's been living, uh, with me full time for all also almost a year now. Um, he'll be six this summer. And all, when I sit back and like, look at where I'm at, I have my son. He loves me a lot and I have a great partner and I have a great job. And it's all because of the work I did in here, like all of it. And it's hard going through the steps is hard. Looking at your shit is hard. Taking pause and not reacting is hard. It's really hard. But everything that I'm so grateful for is all because I did this work and because I heard other people's stories and because I shared and I listened. And I heard other people doing it. I heard other people being able to stop and, and, and respond instead of react. I heard other people who, who had like shared my experience really closely too. Like, it's so crazy how, like, I remember one of the first speaker meetings I went to, the speaker share was very similar to my childhood story of the affluent family with the passive passive aggressive mom emotionally absent mom and I was just like I didn't you know I was just like wow like it's not just me I'm not alone and I don't know I don't know where I would be without recovery like for me like I I want to be here now I never didn't want to be here but like more than ever now now that like life is pretty great um there's no place I would rather spend spend my side time I I love 
recovery. I love what it's given to me. I have a like I'm I actually usually do meetings in my my room, but I have a serenity prayer on my kitchen wall. And I wanted to sit out here and be able to look at it while I shared. Because like I don't know. There's nothing like it to be able to I don't know. I didn't know I could feel so okay. And I I do, I still struggle. I still struggle so much. You know, I have a hard time bringing up what's on my mind because like currently, like in current life, I have a really hard time bringing up what's on my mind. Um, I feel I tend, my inner critic tends to tell me that like nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Um, you know, the things I ha- that I'm interested in or, or whatever are, are meaningless to others. Um, my inner critic's still extremely loud. Um, parent guilt is horribly real. Um, cause like when I catch myself sounding like my parents, I'm just like, oh God. But now because of recovery, I'm able to have pause. Like I, you know, my son and I have a really cool bond. Like he, he's able to like, tell me his feelings and he does all the time. And I am able to show up in this way that wasn't given to me. I listen to him. I acknowledge and validate his feelings. You know, he's able to come to me. Like he, uh, last week, he like woke up in the middle of the night and crying, like sobbing. And I was like, I got on his level and I was like, hey, bud, like, what's wrong? He's like, I really wanted to make you a Mother's Day card. And I was like, thanks Felix like do you want to make one together tomorrow and he was like yeah and I was like okay and he's like good night and then he like turned around and went back to bed like and I remember like I remember when I was a kid there was one night that I got up and I went into my sister's room and she like immediately kicked me out like I don't like after that instance like I didn't go I didn't go to my family for comfort. And when I did, it was very much like, you know, like go somewhere else. Like, we don't want to hear you. You know, your stuff's not important. Just super, super invalidating. And um, I'm, you know, I'm really grateful that I can offer something different for my son, there's this passage in the red book that I really love. And I I talk about all the time, but like the generational bundle of sticks, I'll have to look it up after, but there's this whole like analogy of like you, you, you're being handed these, this bundle of sticks and you can like look back and you can just see how it's been passed down. And like, you can make the choice not to take these sticks and not to pass them on. And I know I'm probably passing on some to Felix. I'm not, uh, you know, disillusioned that, you know, he, he's his own individual and he'll have his own feelings about his upbringing. But I, you know, I'd like to think that because of this work, I am offering, you know, giving him being the parent I wish I'd had, being the parent that I'm also trying to be for myself through this work. I'm actually currently doing the, um, the reparenting guide. Um, that's a piece of my recovery that I 
it's still kind of fresh. I don't know my inner children. I don't chit chat with them. Um, I don't really know what they look like. Um, I've always like when I when I've heard other shares about people talking about their inner children, I've just I've always been so intrigued and like I'm like if I wonder if I'll ever get to that point. Like, will I be able to talk to my inner kids? I've just kind of started identifying like when I when I can like feel teenagery. Like when I'm like, oh, like that reaction was really snarky teenage asking me. So I, I'm getting there. Um, but it's like, uh, I know that recovery talks about the recovery onion. I really like to call it the recovery artichoke because there's hearts at the center of artichokes, but each, um, you know, each layer of recovery, like I, I used to really want a quick fix. I wanted if, you know, like early in my recovery, I remember I got like super, I was like listening to, to recovery podcasts constantly, um, going to meetings as much as I could. Like if I cram all of this into me as quickly as possible, I will obviously be recovered quickly and perfect and great and life will move on. Um, and, I, you know, that's not how it works. I've realized now and like, that's okay. It's really slow. It's a slow process. Um, and that's okay too. It's okay to pause. It's okay for things to come up later, you know, and it's good to celebrate where I'm at. Like, I'm really grateful for where I'm at. I'm sure there's a lot of work to do a lifetime of it. Cause I really don't plan on leaving the rooms anytime soon. Um, you know, some of my best friends that I have now are from these rooms. Like I found true friendship to true connection, true understanding, um, vulnerability. Like I've learned how to listen and I've learned how to share my truth, even when it's really uncomfortable. Like, you know, like my inner critics kind of like revving around being like, nobody cares about what you're talking about. Um, but that's okay. Like, even if people don't care about what I'm talking about, like, I have to realize that it's okay. Like, it's okay for things to be important to me. I have a hard time grasping that. Um, but it is, it's important to share for me because it's my story. And, I'm, you know, I'm, it could go on forever. I promise you my fourth step took forever. Um, and I feel like I, I really only just scratched the surface about my childhood. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what I would do without recovery. I don't know where I'd be. I might be dead. Who knows? I, I did a lot of, of stuff. I did a lot of trying to get away um, run away from, from myself. Um, and the life that I have now is just, I don't believe it sometimes. I really don't. Um, it's definitely a higher power thing. I, you know, I'm, I, I've still got work to do on the higher power thing too. I don't, some, my inner critic tells me that like, you know, it, it's not possible to love somebody unconditionally, even though I'm able to do that for others. 
it's really hard to do for myself. And it's something I, you know, I'm still working on because <laughs> I told a fellow childhood the other day, like my general baseline thinking is I'm mediocre at best. And I struggle with feeling like I need a lot of validation. Um, but recovery also taught me that like, it's about balance. I don't need to be like head first 24 seven in recovery podcasts and books for myself. I don't need to obsess over it. Like I, you know, finding the balance and being a parent, being a fellow traveler, being a chef, being Maggie. <laughs> I'm really glad I'm here. I'm really glad I got to share. And um, yeah, I don't really know how to end this well, but I'm really grateful for recovery. It's given me everything I have today and I'm just gonna be sticking around for a long time. Um, please keep coming back. It is definitely, definitely worth the work. So I'll leave it there. Thank you guys so much for listening.